Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome to the Earth 2 podcast, the podcast where we explore the origins and development of the DC multiverse and the legacy of Golden Age characters through the Silver and Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. We're back. Thank you for joining us. We're doing another Wonder Woman story this week. Yes, we are. Um, we've skipped forward a few years. We're doing a story from issue 156 of Wonder Woman, which was published on the 17th of June, 1965, with a cover date of August 1965. And Pete's is going to tell us about the cover. Wonder Woman is in the middle of a giant target, and there's three darts that are penetrating the target behind her, and another fourth one carrying straight towards her. Gosh, gosh, drama. She's the bullseye, isn't she? She really is. Slimy. Mm -hmm. And there's some captions in the cover, and they say... Again, DC dares and does the impossible. Unlocking the spectacular secrets of comics' golden age. Featuring the fabulous Wonder Woman in fantastic battles with the unique villain who is as elusive as a moonbeam. The brain pirate of the inner worlds. You have a DC Prize Collector's Tale in your hands. Save this issue! Quite a lot of text. Quite text-heavy. Very text-heavy. For, for, you know, very dramatic. Elusive as a moonbeam. I yeah. like that. I'm uh, going to start using that in real life. You should. So, into the story. We have an opening splash panel. It shows Wonder Woman. She's holding the handle of a mace in her mouth. Swinging it around her. And she's basically battling... The returned ghost pirates. Yeah, I mean, yeah. They're very hard to describe. They look very like Sontarans, facially, if you're familiar <laughs> with them from Doctor Who. Mm. We might post a side-by-side in the socials. They basically, they look like little roly-poly, humpty-dumpty types carrying shields and swords and spears, but they look mm. as if they haven't been coloured in. Mm-hmm. Basically, they're like drawings, black and white line drawings. They're kind of see-through and transparent, I think is what they're trying to suggest. Yes. And like the cover, there's quite a large caption. Mm. DC dares what they said couldn't possibly be done as Wonder Woman begins the most startling tale of all time. In one surprise twist after another, the mighty Amazon restores the golden age of comics. Fantastic villains and spectacular thrills which will make every comics page you've ever read pale by comparison will explode before your astonished gaze. Read now and you'll cheer the sensational four-part novel... The, the Brain Pirates of, of the, the Inner, inner Worlds. World. That is possibly the best title of anything we've done so far. It's going to be really hard to top that. I can't wait to, to see it pop up in my Apple Podcasts. Excellent. Good to good. <laughs> At some point in the future, <laughs> when it's finished and ready to listen to. This is a bit of a trip, this issue. We'll have a lot to say about it, probably as we go in and afterwards. But anyway, the story begins properly. Steve Trevor, in his military uniform, coming through the door. Only up a newspaper. The caption says, At military intelligence, Lieutenant Diana Prince is visited by Colonel Steve Trevor. And Steve's holding up Daily Newsweek. And he says to Diana, I always knew my Wonder Woman was worth a million die. And over to page two, and there's a lovely, huge panel of Diana reading the story in the newspaper. There's a headline that says, Comics Rediscovered. A subhead that says, Collectors start new fad. Diana reads out loud from the paper. Early comics magazines bring $100 per copy from comics collectors. Superheroes and villains of comics, Golden Age kept in vault at the Dream Merchant bookstore. Sought are Early Wonder Woman, Superman, Justice League of America, Flash, Green Lantern, etc. And there's a nice big panel, which is obviously meant to be a photograph. Yes. And it reproduces very early Golden Age Wonder Woman comic covers. 
Now, thanks to Mike's Amazing World of Comics, mm-hmm. being able to sort of decipher that the covers of issue two, issue six, and issue eight um, obviously being used here as examples of, of key Wonder Woman issues, so that's quite nice. Yes. I like that. Mm-hmm. In the next panel, Colonel Steve Trevor says, If you see Wonder Woman, give her a kiss for me. And Diana's thinking, Love certainly is blind. Steve doesn't know how near he is to Wonder Woman. She seems to have mad steady eyes through her 1950s specs, yeah. It's the far side gallery style specs, isn't yes, it? Yes, it certainly is. <laughs> so, after Colonel Trevor leaves... And we see Steve exiting, closing the door behind him, and a wonderful sequence of Diana getting changed into her Wonder Woman costume from her military uniform. And as she does that, she thinks, Fans always talk about the past as the good old days, or the golden age. I'll change into my dual identity of Wonder Woman and take a look at those magazines in the Dream Merchant bookstore to see what all the shouting's about. The cool thing about that panel is this is Ross Andrew and Mike Esposito uh, on this story and uh, they went on to work on The Flash where they'd be used to doing uh, or would have to do quite a lot of these uh, super speed costume image changes mm-hmm. uh, which is very cool with the, the after image. always like that. Yes, yeah, gives you that sense of motion, doesn't mm-hmm. it? And I like the fact that it's all happening just as Steve closes the door. It's yes. like, you know, it's like whoosh. Imagine Steve had come right back in at the critical moment. Anyway, so we move to the top of page three. And the caption says, Shortly, under the creepy gaze of the Dream Merchant. And we see Wonder Woman approaching the outside of the Dream Merchant's emporium. And the Dream Merchant is gesturing into the shop. And he says, I knew you would visit me sooner or later, Wonder Woman, to relive your old adventures. And as he says that, he's blowing a cloud of dust off a pile of old comics. (gasps) Which causes Diana to sneeze with a nice, Kachoo! And in panel three, at the top of page three, Wonder Woman starts to read through one of the old comics and she notices that the Dream Merchant is standing next to her with his arms folded. He's wearing, we should describe him properly, he's wearing a purple waistcoat and purple trousers, almost maybe a three-piece suit and he's taking the mm-hmm. jacket off, wearing a black tie, very smart white shirt. I can't see his expression by any shades. So he's standing with his arms folded watching Dark Wonder Woman. Slicked back. Yeah. So Wonder Woman has picked up one of the comics and she's opened it and she sees the Dream Merchant standing watching her and she thinks, why is the Dream Merchant staring at me like that? Or am I imagining that he looks like someone out of the past? who spent his time haunting houses. Next panel, you can see her reading through the comic, and she's reading out loud and saying, Wonder Woman, beautiful as Aphrodite, wise as Athena, stronger than Hercules and swifter than Mercury, meets her match in the most startling villain of all time, the brain pirate of the inner world. And the comic that we can see she's looking at, it's quite a large panel, and character we, we know what we'll come to see as the brain pirate is attempting to lasso the drawing of Wonder Woman in the comic. And then in the next panel, there's a slightly sort of, would you say, rippled edge? Yes. And a caption says, Suddenly, to Wonder Woman's astonishment. And we're basically in the story. And Wonder Woman is exclaiming, Shades of Pluto, I must be dreaming that I'm reliving that old adventure with the brain pirate. And again, we should probably describe the brain pirate here, shouldn't we? Yes. Go on then. Okay. <laughs> He's very basically drawn. It's As, as we said before, He's got a translucent look to him. He uh, looks quite clear, almost like Casper the Ghost. But he's very simple. He's got a round body, a big round face as well. The only actual clothing he seems to be wearing is one belt, which has got a gun uh, stuck in it. And he's got a big pirate hat on. It's got a nice, lovely big skull and crossbones. Yes. And he's holding a lasso, and as we said, he's lassoing... He's lassoed Wonder Woman by the head. Yep, he's got a right by the tiara. Good grief, that can't be comfortable. The great thing is it completely mirrors the panel in the comic, which is fantastic. Over the page to page four. First caption says, Painfully, the startled Amazon maid pinches herself. And as she does that, Wonder Woman says out loud, Ow! 
I know I'm dreaming, but I can't pinch myself awake. Why do I feel so helpless? And the brain pirate says, Because, Wonder Woman, mighty though you are, you are powerless when I steal your brain. In the next panel, Wonder Woman has managed to release herself from the lasso around her head, and she says, You laugh too soon, brain pirate. Hola, there, I'm free. Suddenly, to Wonder Woman's dismay... The next panel, Wonder Woman can see that Steve Trevor is approaching. Indeed, she thinks, Merciful Minerva, it's Steve, following me with our picnic basket. I must stop him before he steals Steve's brain. That's why he's lassoing her head, isn't it? Yes. He's trying to steal her brain, because he is indeed a, a brain, brain pirate. pirate. So yes, this panel, we can see Steve in the distance, just toddling along quite the thing. I wonder if he doesn't see the brain pirate. I don't know. Anyway, the caption for the bottom of page four of the, the panel says, But even though she hurtles at the brain pirate like a human rocket... As Wonder Woman jumps forward, she says, Hola, I'll teach you piracy doesn't pay. Thunderbolts of Jove, wh- what happened? I... I went right through you. And sure enough, with a vroosh sound effect, as she jumps forward, she passes right through the brain pirate. And the brain pirate says, Naturally, I come from another dimension. DMX. Ho, ho, ho. Dimension X, then. Dimension X. Could it be the same Dimension X that we from, talked about uh, from Wonder Woman 100? I think it... I, it certainly seems like a fairy tale character. He does, doesn't he? It's yeah. interesting. Again, it's, another Kaniger written story. We should also probably say in the background of this panel, there's a vehicle floating in the ocean. Yes. Um, and they're on the beach and all that. Anyway, so we're at the top of page five now, and the caption says, Frantically, Wonder Woman snaps her own lasso made of Amazonium at the eerie villain. Great hero. My unique lasso went right through him. I told you you're powerless against me. Lovely zing sound effect. We see that the lasso indeed passes right through the brain pirate. Caption for the next panel says, Desperately, the mighty Amazon raises a sandstorm. And we see Wonder Woman, arms going at full speed. She's scooping up sand, throwing it up into the air. And she's saying, Thank Hera, he's gone. She's generated a massive cloud of dust. But, Princess Diana says, It had no effect on you. And we see the brain pirate standing on a big pile of sand and he says, the only thing you can bury, Amazon, are your hopes. Caption for the next panel. Swift as a shadow, the brain pirate wheels and... He turns around and he lassoes Steve around the head. Good grief. And the brain pirate says... You're in my power now. Wonder Woman can only watch as Steve says... Don't worry, Angel. I'll save you. I, uh, I am yours to command, Master. Caption for the next panel. Grimly, Wonder Woman hurls herself towards Steve, but... As Wonder Woman jumps over the big pile of sand that the brain pirate's standing on, the brain pirate flips his lasso. Wonder Woman's dialogue is, Merciful Minerva, the brain pirate has tossed Steve's brain to his crew. And there's a little rowboat with some more of the, the brain pirate's laddies in them, the guys who we described from the opening panel. And Steve's brain is basically depicted as Steve's head. Yes. Don't worry, he's not detached his head. No, it's not like he's been decapitated. Mm-hmm. Steve is just sort of standing immobile and we can see that a bit of a clearer shot of the, the brain pirate's green sort of nautilus-like vessel floating mm-hmm. in the waves and there's some nice clouds. It's quite a nice panel. Should we say it's an astral image of his head? Well, we don't really know yet, do we? There's an aura around it. We'll probably get a better look at it as we, as we continue. So anyway, on it's to page six. It's disturbing anyway, so... Like a thunderbolt, the Amazon hurtles against a sinister crew in a frenzied effort to recover Steve's brain. But... <laughs> One of them leaps out over the ocean from the beach, tipping up the rowboat and knocking all of the brain pirates out of the boat. And as she does this, she says, Suffering Sappho, I'm too late. They've already tossed Steve's brain toward their pirate ship. The inhuman creatures are playing with it as if it were just a beach ball. And we see that one of the brain pirates has 
He's casually just flipped Steve's head away, and in a close-up panel, Wonder Woman says, I've got to get it back, or Steve will be nothing more than a mechanical doll. End of part one. Part two of the most spectacular adventures of all time, starring the mighty Wonder Woman, continues on fifth page following. So we get a nice little advert for Tootsie Rolls as an advert for the flight of the P-26, which is a model aeroplane. We have the letters page from this issue. We have another advert for Trix, which I'm guessing must be some sort of breakfast cereal. There's a scientific fact about amoebas. Do we want to share that? No. Okay. We'll maybe put it in the socials. <laughs> Grumpy. Um, over the page, there's another little half-page advert about building models, and then there's a Superman-promoted advert for Palisades Amusement Park. And then at the top of page 7, a caption says... Part 2, the sensational saga of the golden age of heroes and villains, starring the fabulous Wonder Woman in the amazing adventures of the Brain Pirates of the Inner World. Gosh. So the opening caption for page 7 says, Like a human whirlwind, the mighty Amazon hurtles aboard the strange pirate ship of the sinister Brain Pirate in her fantastic search for... And we see Wonder Woman whirling like a dervish. Punching all the brain pirates are trying to get towards her, and she says, Steve's brain is aboard. I must get it back. Why are they all laughing? And we see two brain pirates standing next to a sort of porthole in the side of the vessel, and rather worryingly, they're standing next to a cannon which is pointing out of the porthole. One of the brain pirates is holding a lit taper, and the other one is holding Steve's head. So the caption for the next panel. Horrified, Wonder Woman sees... Merciful Minerva! Help me lasso Steve's brain from that gunner before he drops it into the cannon barrel. And sure enough, one of the brain pirates is about to put Steve's head into the cannon. Are they going to fire him out the port? Oh, good grief. The caption for the next panel says, Again, the mighty Amazon is dismayed to find... Thunderbolts of Jove. My lasso now has no more effect on Steve's brain than on the brain pirate. And this is actually a better shot of Steve's brain. And it's Steve's brain is now translucent and clear, like the brain pirates and... We see the hands of the brain pirate about to drop him to the cannon and the lasso basically passing right through it. Caption for the next panel. Even as Wonder Woman leaps. And we see the, the hands of the brain pirate releasing Steve's head and he falls down into the barrel. Wonder Woman says, I'm too late. Steve's brain has been dropped into the cannon. And in the next panel, one of the brain pirates says, One false move and I'll fire your boyfriend's brain out of here like a cannonball. This is the guy that's holding the taper. So we move on to the top of page eight. The caption says, Swifter than lightning, the mighty Amazon cleaves open the cannon barrel with the flats of her hand as if it were cardboard. Sure enough, with a crack, we see the barrel of the cannon splitting open. Now this next line belongs to Wonder Woman, but the speech bubble looks as though it's coming from one of the pirates. But anyway, Wonder Woman says, I had to allay the gunner's suspicions before I could try this. Hola, Steve is saved. So yes, with a crack, the cannon breaks open the next panel. But the next moment, to Wonder Woman's dismay... And Steve is suddenly there. The full body of Steve, that is. And he's pointing a gun at Wonder Woman. And he says, Move back or I fire. The gloating head brain pirate standing between them. And Wonder Woman says, Steve, what are you saying? Why do you look like that? As if as if you don't know me. Sadly, the Amazon maid realises. In a close-up with a tear falling from her eye, Wonder Woman is thinking, The theft of Steve's brain has turned him into an automaton obeying the brain pirate's bidding. I must do as Steve commands, or force him to become a murderer. In the next panel, Wonder Woman is holding her hands forward, and her wrists together, obviously surrendering, and the head brain pirate is saying, I know what you're thinking, Wonder Woman, that you'll fight at the first opportunity. Hold your Amazonian bracelets out. Hold them out, or your sweetheart will suffer. 
Wonder Woman does so, saying, Don't do anything to harm him. Please, here, I'll obey you. As a welding ray arcs out from the brain pirate's gun. Yeah, this is a great panel. Steve stands rigid in the background as the brain pirate starts welding Wonder Woman's bracelets together. Wonder Woman saying, Thunderbolts of Jove, you've welded my bracelets together. You know, they're, they're secret. And the brain pirate says, Naturally, this makes you powerless, forcing you to obey me until I, another man, opens them again, which, you can be sure, will never happen. <laughs> yes, that's it, isn't it? Because Wonder Woman's sort of flaw or Achilles heel or mm-hmm. kryptonite almost is that when she's bound by a man, she's powerless. Yes. Hmm. Caption for the next panel, we move outside. At this very tense moment, none other than the delightful Holiday Girls appear, training for a race. Pete, who are the Holiday Girls? In the Golden Age, uh, Wonder Woman is quite often helped out by the Holiday Girls. They are basically a sorority from the Holiday College. And they were led by uh, Etta Candy, who is, you know, an ally of Wonder Woman. Of course. Yeah, from the Golden Age again. Well, actually, she appeared quite a lot in Wonder yeah. Woman's history. She's in the movie, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. So um, this is... Etta Candy's first appearance in the podcast, is it? It is indeed, unfortunately. She's quite a significant character, it's worth worth trumping. So yes, in this panel, the holiday girls are out practising, obviously for the the annual holiday college versus some other college boat race. Mm -hmm. They're all pulling hard on their oars, and they're, you know, I don't know if it's a coincidence that they're heading towards the brain pirate's vessel. (laughs) Directly towards the brain pirate's vessel. Anyway, yeah, there's Etta and there's four holiday girls, and Etta's scoffing candy, and she's saying, Woo-woo! And then first holiday girl, who looks a bit like Icarus from The Eternals by Jack Kirby. <laughs> and she's saying, Etta Candy, can't you stop gulping sweets for a moment? You're supposed to tell us which way to row. And the second one says... And she looks a bit like Saturn Girl, it must be said. They're all blonde. We should probably mention that. Yeah, and the second holiday girl says, Yow! Turn before we head right into that pirate ship! And the final one says... Not a real pirate ship. It's probably being used for a movie or something. Sensible or sceptical? I'm not sure. We'll soon find out. The caption for the next panel says... The brain pirate sees the innocent rowers and... In a glorious close-up, the brain pirate declares... Force me the head! Ram them! And Wonder Woman says... You monster! How can you think of doing such a thing to the fun-loving holiday girls? Caption for the next panel... Even though the Amazon's bracelets are welded together... Wonder Woman has leapt out of the pirate ship and she's saying to herself, I can't permit this tragedy to happen. It's very odd layout for this page. We get a close-up of Wonder Woman's feet in her boots and she's above the water and the caption says... Vibrating her feet at supersonic speed, the ingenious Wonder Woman creates a cushion of air on which she is supported above the water... While, with a thrust of her incredible power... So the holiday girl's boat is pulling level with the pirate ship, and Etta, who's still coughing candy, declares, Hi, Wonder Woman! Oh, it's a good thing you're always around in the nick of time, <laughs> even if Nick isn't. <laughs> Wonder Woman, who's floating above them, says, This isn't a laughing matter, Etta. The brain pirates aboard this ship, here to steal people's brains. It is a really unusual use of a power, isn't it? Yes. You know, vibrating the feet. It's a very flash sort of thing to do, isn't it? Yeah. Maybe maybe flash taught the trick. Maybe, maybe. In in one of those issues of Comic Cavalcade, which they would have been hanging about in back in the day. Exactly. Because we have to remember, of course, this is is essentially, I suppose, this is the the Golden Age Wonder Woman Mm -hmm. we're seeing here. So over to page 10, and the first caption says, 
As if it were just a saucer, the mighty Amazon maid sends the pirate ship skipping over the waves. Yeah, not quite clear how she's done this, but basically it looks as though Wonder Woman has just turned around and using her Amazonian strength has skimmed the pirate ship away in the way that someone might skim a stone. And she shouts down to the holiday girls, Etta, get the girls out of here as fast as you can. And first holiday girl says, What about you, Wonder Woman? And Wonder Woman, as she runs off, almost says, Steve's a prisoner aboard the Brain Pirate ship. I've got to stay with him no matter what may happen. Hola and farewell. And I love this shot of Etta as she sat there with her big paper cone of full of sweeties. Mm-hmm. Because the next panel is a close-up of Etta continuing to stuff her face. And she's saying, Woo-hoo! Wonder Woman has another holler coming if she thinks we holiday girls are going to desert her in her time of need. A couple of caramels and chocolate-covered marshmallows will give me all the strength I need to help her. Oh, <laughs> And one of the holiday girls says in response, We'll help too, Etta, without gorging yourself with extra calories <laughs> like you. This caricature of Etta, again, I admit, really, I have not read an awful lot of Wonder Woman. You've mm. read the Perez stuff. She's quite involved in the Perez stuff. She's not like yeah. this and that, is she? Uh, no. And also I've read some of the Golden Age stuff, and we'll talk about that after right, I finish. Okay. Cool. Okay. So, we move on to the next panel. Wonder Woman is back at the pirate ship, bounding towards it. The caption says, The self-sacrificing Wonder Woman returns to the brain pirate ship. And the brain pirate says from the open door, I knew you wouldn't desert your sweetheart for long. Your Amazons are too sentimental. That's your weakness. <laughs> and as Wonder Woman arrives, she says, If you had a heart, you'd discover that caring for another person's welfare makes you stronger, not weaker. The brain pirate says, Let's see whether you're strong enough to withstand a bullet. Steve Trevor, look out. That's not Wonder Woman in front of you. It's an escaped tiger. Its fangs and claws are out to rend you. Fire! Fire! And save your life! Steve brings his gun up and slowly says, Save my life. And he fires. Caption for the top of page 11 says, Swifter than thought, the incredible Wonder Woman performs the astonishing feat of not only bouncing bullets off her bracelets as if she was playing tennis, but also... The first bullet she manages to ricochet away, thinking, Poor Steve, he doesn't know what he's doing. He thinks he's firing at a wild tiger to save his life. Steve fires again. Wonder Woman again deflects the bullet, and the brain pirate ducks down out of the way, thinking, Blast that infernal Amazon! I should have known she'd turn an attack against herself and a weapon against me. Here's a thought. When we finish the entire history of the DC multiverse yes. and the Golden Age, you know, mm-hmm. through the Celebration Bronze Age, and we decide to eventually do our podcast of Starman, yes. you could play the Black Pirate in the same style as the brain pirate. <laughs> That'd be a lot of fun, wouldn't it? I'm quite I've fun. asked Jack Knight. That'd be great. Anyway, panel three. Steve fires again. Pow, pow. Wonder Woman deflects the bracelets and they're, flying to- they're pinging towards the brain pirate who looks absolutely grotesque in this panel. It must be said. And he's saying, Stop firing! Stop firing! Colonel Trevor, stop firing! We move outside and we move underwater. The caption for the next panel says, during this excitement, the intrepid holiday girls are being led by the irrepressible Etta Candy. And we can see that the girls are swimming towards the pirate ship. They're swimming underwater. At the head of them, it's Etta, and she's thinking, Woo woo! I remember seeing this in a movie. Douglas Fairbanks in a black pirate. He led his men underwater to rescue the heroine in a pirate ship. Um, oh, oh, blub. Is she still eating? No, she can't be. She tried to breathe anyway. <laughs> The caption of the next panel at the bottom of page 11 says... But as the fearless girls pass under the pirate ship... A net has dropped out, scooping them up, and Etta thinks... Woo-woo! We're caught in a net! Pshaw! 
I dropped my caramels. She was scoffing the sweets as she was swimming underwater. That's ridiculous. Mm. Anyway, we move to the top of page 12. The caption says, Lifted into the ship, the holiday girls have their brains pirated from them. Oh, no. And all of the brain pirates, they've all got lassoes, and they've all lassoed the brains out of the holiday girls. Etta is saying, Look at these fugitives from a Halloween party. Woo-woo! What's happening to me? Oh, gulp! And in the next panel, it's a glorious close-up of the grotesque Etta. I can't put it any other way, saying, I can hardly gulp a caramel. The caption for the final panel on page 12 says, Wonder Woman's battling spirit wilts when she sees the once jolly holiday girls paraded before her like mechanical dolls. Sure enough, the girls are all lined up, following behind Steve. There's a whole bunch of the brain pirates all gloating, and Wonder Woman is thinking, no use fighting on until I can find out how to restore their brains to Steve and the girls. And Etta is saying, we await your oh, oh, command. And even zombie-like brainless Etta is still managing to, to get her sweeties down. And the delighted chief brain pirate is saying, Ha-ha, I know what you're thinking, Wonder Woman, but it won't do you any good. You'll never get out of this trap. And the closing caption says, End of part two. Thrills that have astounded untold millions still await you in the continuing sensational saga of the mighty Wonder Woman's most fantastic adventure. On the second page following. And the first page following is a full page advert for Cheerios starring Rocky and Bullwinkle. Other breakfast cereals are available over the page... Caption at the top of page 13 says, Part 3! Join the mighty Wonder Woman in the spectacular adventure that shattered every comic's tale ever invented! There's so much hype, isn't there? Yeah. Right, so this gorgeous big panel, which has our whole assembled cast lined up, has an initial caption which says, Triumphantly, the brain pirate leers at his captives. So we see the brain pirate and two of his lads and the holiday girls all standing straight and Steve, one of the women still with her bracelets welded together and the chief brain pirate says Amazon, are you wondering why I don't steal your brain too? And your senses? It's because I want you to suffer to feel the sting of your defeat endlessly. Ha 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 ha! And Etta says as she gulps a caramel endlessly. Gulp! See, that's interesting, is that the only one that seems to be breaking free of the conditioning is Etta. Admittedly, like, only partially, but everyone else is pretty much doing exactly what he says, but she's still eating, and, you know, she's speaking, admittedly, she's reiterating what he's saying, but she's the only one that actually seems to have any kind of... Control over... Or yeah. has retained some kind of individuals. Yes, sense. absolutely. Uh-huh. I wonder if... I mean, I wonder if that's because Etta is strong enough or that she's just such a caricature that, you know, that they want to maintain the... Scoffing, or I think or it's, is it going to be a plot point that Etta's actually managing to resist, well, despite the fact that she doesn't have a brain? Well, is we, that what they're saying? We shall see. Anyway, so the bottom of page thirteen, in a lovely sequence of three panels, the pirate ship lifts off from the ocean and flies off, and we hear the brain pirate saying, "Set sail, pirates! We'll take Wonder Woman and her friends to our world, a world from which no one returns." <laughs> We move to the top of page 14. The first caption says, As the brain pirate's ship soars into sinister space. And we have a close-up of Wonder Woman thinking, Merciful Minerva, how will any of us ever return to Earth? Let me at least provide us with transportation if we should ever get out of this hopeless situation. I've got to project my voice behind me so only my robot plane will hear. Calling robot plane. Responding to the vibrations of Wonder Woman's voice. It's a nice panel. We see the robot plane flying along behind the pirate ship. And Wonder Woman's voice echoing. Calling robot plane. Follow behind ship. 
continue circling after it lands. The fantastic voyage nears its end. And this is a cracker. This really does feel like crazy golden age stuff, doesn't mm, it? Absolutely. Um, so a nice shot out in space with a pirate ship approaching the brain pirate's home world, which is basically a giant brain in space. We see Wonder Woman's thoughts from outside of this pirate ship, and she's thinking, Shades of Pluto, that must be the inner world of the brain pirates. Like an obedient aerial steed, Wonder Woman's amazing robot plane continues circling while... Yep, the plane has obviously fallen into an orbit and we can see that the pirate ship is about to land and a voice from inside the pirate ship says, Drop anchor, me hearties. The next panel shows the brain pirate's ship floating in the ocean and the caption says, Using his mindless captives as pawns, the brain pirate taunts Wonder Woman in a grim game of death when... And he's got the holiday girls and Steve with Etta at the front walking the plank out of the pirate ship, basically. And we can see that there are sharks in the water. Yes. Obviously, I think the the brain pirates are chanting and they're saying, Walk the plank! Walk the plank! And at the front of the line, Etta is saying, Woo-woo! Let's make a splash, girls! Oh, gulp! Still eating sweeties! Good grief! And a close-up, a pained Wonder Woman is thinking, Suffering Sappho! They don't realise they're going to jump into shark-infested waters! Now, we've just gone into outer space. We haven't as yet travelled to Dimension X, have we? That's a good point. There's been nothing in the captions or dialogue at all so far that have said it's another dimension. But interestingly, you know, this brain planet that mm. they seem to live on, how close is that to Earth? Yeah, there's nothing to say how long they've been flying for or anything mm-hmm. like that. Audrey, as a Star Trek term, is the robot plane warp speed capable? Yeah. Unless, of course, the brain planet is hovering above Earth. Or unless, maybe it is in Dimension X and just hasn't told us. Or is the Dimension X thing just where they come from, but they've taken up a base on this brain planet and... But of course, they're the brain pirates. Did they bring the brain planet with them from Dimension X? Oh, Interesting. And does mm. that also mean if, if this brain planet isn't Dimension X, then the robot plane must be able to fly casually to Dimension X following yeah. the pirate ship? Yeah. Interesting. Um, Interesting. Questions people get no answers to. Yeah, them, I mean, so. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not convinced that they're in Dimension X. I think that's something that they've forgotten about as they've gone on with the story. <laughs> we'll see. We'll, we'll see if we get any more hints as we go on, I suppose, won't we? Very true. Right, so, yes, we move on to the top of page 15. Etta and the girls and Steve are still in danger from the sharks, if you've managed to remember that far. And the caption says, Unhesitatingly, the Amazon maid leaps ahead of the doomed captives. And right enough, when the woman leaps over the hoddy girl, over Steve, over Etta, over the edge of the plank and down towards the water, as the sharks are... I mean, these sharks look quite vicious. They're paying for blood. Absolutely. And Wonder Woman announces... Sharks are hungrily waiting for their victims. In the next panel, she's landed on top of one of the sharks in a very James Bond style running yes. across the alligator's move. Yeah. And she's kicking one of the other sharks away, saying, Great bearded Neptune, help me spoil their appetites. Crack and thunk sound effect. Caption for the next panel says, Like a bolt of human lightning, Wonder Woman streaks from one ravenous sea beast to another, and with staggering kicks. And she boots each shark away over a sequence of three panels, saying, If you're hungry, go to a fish market. But the mighty Amazon mate's task is only beginning. Sure enough, because Etta and Steve are already at the edge of the plank and they're falling into the water and the brain pirate says from the pirate ship, Over the side with you. And Steve says, Over the side. When the woman whirls around thinking, Merciful Minerva, in their mindless state, Steve and the holiday girls cannot swim. They will drown like mechanical dolls. Um, we move to the top of page 16. We 
Earth dazzling agility which defies gravity itself, the bound Wonder Woman juggles the hurtling figures back into the air in a circle of safety. And it looks as though she's doing the vibrating thing that she was doing earlier on, would you? Yeah, you hovering so? above the water again. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't sure at first if she was jumping from shark to shark because we can see the sharks again. This is a sort of a very similar thing to actually when we did Wonder Woman 100 and it was sort of sequences of panels where she was leaping over the candle and all that mm, sort of stuff. Yeah. We have a sequence of three panels where Wonder Woman is hovering and moving around and juggling the holy girls and Etta and Steve as she does so. And Diana says over this sequence of panels, the sharks are back. I can't keep on juggling Steve and the girls forever. And Etta, she comes around in the circle, juggling circle of safety, says, Woo-hoo! This is better than a circus! Oh, God, she's still eating sweeties! Good grief! And in the final panel, Wonder Woman says, I've got to get them to shore. Caption for the next panel says, Using a single powerful exhalation, the ingenious Amazon maid catapults the mindless victims toward land. And sure enough, with a big woof, Wonder Woman is blowing everyone. So they're all flying off into the distance. She's thinking, this cushion of air will support them safely. That's an unusual Wonder Woman power, super breath. It's like we're adding to the powers here by, you know, yeah. vibrating the feet mm. to hover. Uh, super breath? These I, are I, again, we don't usually see. Again, I'm completely ignorant of Wonder Woman at this era, so I've no idea if this is something that she does ordinarily or not. Ordinarily, it's just Superman that has super yeah. breath, and occasionally Martian Manhunter uses his Martian breath. I mean, I'm unaware of Amazon breath being a thing, but hey, never mind. Mm. Anyway, caption of the next panel says, And with a single bound, Wonder Woman leaps ahead of her friends who are still flying through the air, and she lands on the ground ahead of them. So her full dialogue progression is now, This cushion of air will support them safely until I can catch them. So she's leapt ahead, and as Etta is the first person in front of the line, and Etta is saying, I almost chogged in a caramel. Good grief. So, over the page, page 17. But to Wonder Woman's dismay, the holiday girls, Etta and Steve, trap Wonder Woman in a circle. And it's worth pointing out at this point that Diana's wrists are no longer bound. Bit of a mistake in the art there. Anyway, Steve says, Don't make a move. And Etta says, You're our prisoner. Oh, gulp, she's still eating sweeties. That's doing my nutting. Caption for the next panel. The Amazon maid fights against scalding tears. And a close up, the tears flowing from Diana's eyes. She's thinking, it's not their fault. They don't know what they're doing. Here to help me find out how to restore their stolen brains. Right, so the caption of the next panel says... The taunting brain pirate seems to read Wonder Woman's thoughts. And the brain pirates have got their little rowing boat and they've reached the shore on the, the scary brain world and <laughs> the brain pirates are disembarking from their little boat and the chief brain pirate has pulled a gun and he says... You're helpless, Amazon, because you think of others first. It's proved your downfall. And Wonder Woman says... Right will triumph in the end, Brain Pirate. Wait and see. Caption for the next panel says, Stoically, the Amazon princess endures the jeers of the pirates of the inner brain world, assembled to watch her humiliation. The chief brain pirate is now on a chariot being pulled by a couple of, I suppose, translucent, invisible brain horses. And we can see some assembled people, brain pirate laddies, all standing around, cheering and jeering at Wonder Woman and her pals. And from his chariot, the brain pirate chief is saying, Behold, the once mighty Wonder Woman who always thwarted our attacks against our world. Now she's eaten the dust of ours on her way to doom. Steve and Wonder Woman and the Holy Girls and Etta are much along behind the chariot and sure enough there's a cloud of dust being kicked up. And Wonder Woman is thinking, <coughs> Here I grant me a chance to rescue my friends and 
<coughs> save the world from a sneak attack. And again, her hands are unbound. There's one hand down at her side and another hand is up at her mouth. Yeah. Oh dear, a bit sloppy. Anyway, the caption for the next panel says... Wonder Woman is subjected to further anguish by the diabolical brain pirate when she's placed in a cell. And... Wonder Woman, we can see, is in a cell looking out through the bars. We can see the holiday girls are all putting on armour. And the brain pirate is saying... If I pirated your brains too, Amazon, you would not now be writhing upon barbs of jealousy and despair, watching your sweetheart and your friends become my allies. And Wonder Woman's thinking... Suffering Sappho, it's true. But I mustn't let the villain see that my heart is breaking. Continue to the second page following. Page 8, well the next page is another G.I. Joe advert. And then over to the top of page 18 of the story. Meanwhile, from Paradise Island, secret home of the Amazons, an anxious SOS is beamed. And a lovely shot of Paradise Island. We can see the, the, the Greco-Roman style buildings and all that. And there's what looks like a radio transmission voice. And it's saying, Queen Hippolyta calling Wonder Woman. Why don't you answer? Mother calling Diana. Please answer. And we then cut inside one of the Amazon buildings. Wonder Woman's mum is speaking into a microphone. Some other Amazons in the background. One of them is operating some scientific machinery. The caption says, In the Amazon Time and Space Laboratory, the Mighty Queen is like any worried mother. And we see Wonder Woman's mum significantly with dark hair. Yes. Which the Golden Age Hippolyta had as opposed to the blonde hair, which the Silver Age equivalent had. This would have been obviously more of a deal to suppose contemporary readers would be Absolutely, more used to. Yes. Uh-huh. And she's saying, My mother's heart tells me my daughter is in desperate trouble somewhere, or she would have answered. Beam the omni-televisor at outer space until you contact her. And then the final panel of this page is a shot of Earth from space and the message that Queen Hippolyta is sending out, zooming out over space. Queen Hippolyta calling Wonder Woman. Answer, please. Queen Hippolyta calling Wonder Woman. And a closing caption says, End of part three. The most astonishing conclusion human mind dares to conceive awaits you on the next page. There's also another very large caption in the nice jaggedy box at the bottom of this page saying Surprise! Yes fans, now you know why this issue of Wonder Woman will be a collector's item. The writer and artist have astoundingly imitated the exact kind of story, dialogue and art styles of the golden age of comics. The quaint hairdos, clothes, poses have been recreated in the most daring experiment of all times. You have been taken back in time to place a prize edition in your hands. Now, continue with this amazing journey. This is interesting, isn't it? Yeah. It's like a deliberately conjured collector's item. Mm. Yeah. Is this the variant foil cover of its day? <laughs> it may well be. It may well be. Do you know what I mean? We're going to be doing a few other Wonder Woman comics quite soon. We'll obviously, we'll talk about more about this as we go on. Yeah, this um, is the start of a big change yes. for Wonder Woman for a certain amount of time. Yeah, and we'll go into it in more detail in the future episodes. Uh-huh. Uh, um, we have a few others, a few other stories to do beforehand. Mm-hmm. But yeah, stick with us, and you'll find out a bit more about that. It's it's an interesting sort of reflection of the times and what was going on mm-hmm. in comic fandom and the way that comics work. Anyway, so we're now at the top of page nineteen, and the caption says, "Part four, fans." Before you read on, promise not to reveal the amazing ending to your friends. That doesn't count us, by the way. It would not be fair to rob them of the most sensational climax in the spectacular career of the unique Wonder Woman in her fight to the finish against the Brain Pirate. Read on. Okay, so we're back into the story. Later, at the arena of the doomed, 
Wonder Woman conceals her dismay at the unnerving sight of her dearest friends unwittingly shouting for her downfall as... I love that, the arena of doom. So Wonder Woman, who again, it seems now, has her hands, or bracelets I should say, mm-hmm. still bound and welded together, mm-hmm. is lined up against some of the brain pirates army and they're all sort of behind shields carrying spears. We're basically almost at the opening splash page at this point. They look like a Roman legion, actually, yeah. don't they? Aye. Yeah, the way very much so the, Yeah, the styling of the shields mm-hmm. very much so... And we can see that the Holiday Girls in their new armour and Steve and Etta, who's still scoffing chocolates and sweeties, are at the side watching and the Brain Pirate says, Down with Wonder Woman! And Etta hypnotically says, Down with Wonder Woman! She's still eating sweeties. She's doing my nothing. Anyway, and some of the Holiday Girls say, Down with Wonder Woman! And then close up, the Brain Pirate says, Listen to your foolish friends, Amazon. They shout for your defeat. Unaware that their doom is linked with yours, that they live only as long as you can survive the obstacles that I have planned for you, that the games of doom begin. And the caption for the next panel says, As the army of brain pirates hurls a rain of missiles at Wonder Woman. Rather helpfully, the brain pirate describes what's actually going on in this panel for us. We can see the swords and spears and axes and maces flying towards Wonder Woman as she tries to jump out the way and dodge them. And the brain pirate says, Blast that Amazon! She's not only dodging all the deadly weapons thrown at her, she's even managed to catch one with her teeth! And we can see that Wonder Woman has caught the chain of one of the maces that's been thrown towards her. Even without hands, the Amazon maid is more than a match for the flabbergasted brain pirate. So in this final panel of page 19, again, Wonder Woman's wrists are still bound and she's spinning around. She ha- We're basically the opening splash panel of the whole story. She is holding part of the chain of the handle for the mace and her teeth. She's spinning around, scattering brain pirates everywhere. I guess she must be saying, hola, hola, hola. With, with the thing still in her teeth. mouth. Yeah. And there's some thong, blong, thong, blang, thong. Blango. Blango is probably one of my favourite sound effects yeah. I've ever seen. This, that panel's going on the socials, I think, as she basically knocks them out. So, continued in second page following, we have an, an advert for 80 Page Giant issue 13 featuring Jimmy Olsen and some more Tootsie Rolls adverts at the bottom. And we move to the top of page 20 and the caption says, But Wonder Woman's triumphant surge towards the diabolical brain pirate is halted when... Wonder Woman has discarded the mace and she's moving towards the, the chief brain pirate who says... Don't take another step, Wonder Woman. You don't know where I've hidden your friends' brains. If anything happens to me, I've given orders for their brains to be destroyed immediately. Sat behind him, we see Steve, and Steve, like an automaton, says, Immediately. And Etta says, Immediately, if not sooner. Oh, oh, she's still eating sweeties. Man, that's shocking. It's very funny, but it's still shocking. Anyway, and Wonder Woman says, For their sakes, I must obey. And in a very tearful close-up, we have Wonder Woman thinking, Poor Etta. The only habit of hers the brain pirate has been unable to control is her craving for sweets. All of a sudden, A giant now enters the arena of doom. And it's like a giant brain pirate. He really does look like a Suntaran, doesn't he? He does, yes. And he's carrying some darts, and off-camera, a voice says, you're the greatest marksman in our pirate fleets. Riddle the Amazon. And the giant dark-bearing brain pirate says in a giant dark-bearing brain pirate voice, I've never missed a target. How can I miss a bound one? And we're now at the cover, essentially, because we have a giant 
it looks like a giant dartboard mm-hmm. that the the giant has emerged sort of around the side of Wonder Woman standing in front of it. Yeah, and the caption for the next panel. Thus begins the most spectacular game of darts mind can conceive. We'll describe the target. There's a blue ring, there's a white ring, there's a red solid circle in the middle. And it looks as though maybe the white ring is sort of hollow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it looks like Wonder Woman is running around it. One of the darts, like it, Pete described it with a cover, one of the darts has penetrated the blue ring. Um, another dart has hit the red circle in the middle. And Wonder Woman is running around in the middle thinking, this gives me an idea to free myself. Over to page 21, the first caption says... And so, instead of continuing to dodge the deadly darts, the fearless Amazon suddenly thrusts up her bracelets with incredible timing. Hola! My bracelets have been opened by a man. I'm free. And sure enough, amazingly, Wonder Woman has managed to time it so that her bracelets basically get in the way of the point of the dart and they've broken the welding. This is exciting, right? The caption for the next panel... As the giant dartsman seeks to bar Wonder Woman's way... Wonder Woman jumps from the dartboard, punches the giant brain pirate dart player guy, knocking him out with a great thud sound effect. And she says, I wonder how I can force the brain pirate to return my friend's stolen brains. (laughs) Stolen brains, amazing. Right, the caption of the next panel. To the Amazon's surprise... Wonder Woman drops to the ground in front of the chief brain pirate, who says... There's your last obstacle to the freedom of you and your friends, Wonder Woman... Display your strength by squeezing that steel box into liquid and you can all return safely to Earth. I promise to put the brains right into your hands for safekeeping. My goodness. It's worth pointing out there must be quite a large population on this brain planet because we can see the crowd in the background behind them and there's there's loads of them Mm -hmm. in a sort of sandy arena here. Anyway, so the next panel, we see Etta again sitting eating candy in the, the crowd and she's saying, Brains? Hands! Oh, oh! And Wonder Woman, some distance away, is thinking, I don't know where the brain pirate hid their brains. I'll have to do as he says. And in close up, the brain pirate is thinking, The blasted Amazon doesn't know it, but she's sealing her own friend's fate. The next caption. As the mighty Wonder Woman starts squeezing the steel strong box as if it were cardboard. Hola! And with a crunch, we see Wonder Woman. Crushing the steel strong box. The caption for the next panel at the top of page 22 says, Her incredible Amazon hearing detects... Oh, 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 Noises coming from inside the steel box. Wonder Woman looks alarmed and she says, Suffering Sappho, Etta Candy's voice. Splitting open the steel strong box with the edge of her Amazonian tiara as carefully as a jeweler splitting open a diamond. Lovely zing sound effect as she splits the steel with the tiara. Wonder Woman opens the strong box, and sure enough, inside are the disembodied, floating, translucent heads of Steve, Etta, and the Holiday Girls, aka their brains. And from inside the box, Etta says, Oh, gulp! It's been mighty stuffy in here, Wonder Woman! And Steve says, I knew you'd find this sooner or later, Angel. Oh, he's so sleazy. <laughs> the next panel is brilliant. The, the brain pirate is raging, and the caption says, Infuriated, the moon pirate commands. The moon pirate? Yeah, he's suddenly been rebranded as the Moon Pirate. Interesting. There's some really shoddy sort of copy work going on with this issue. Yeah. Anyway, he says, That blasted Amazon is not going to escape this time. Destroy her! Wonder Woman has the steel box on the ground in front of her. It looks like the crowd are being whipped up, doesn't it? They're all yes, it's a frenzy to go for her. The caption of the next panel. 
Bart with a single bound. Wonder Woman scoops up the steel box with everyone's brains inside it, and that's a phrase I never thought I'd say in my lifetime. <laughs> and then, on the other hand, she grabs Steve, the holiday girls, and Etta, and she leaps off, saying, Hola! The brain pirate was so blinded by rage, he left Steve and the girls unguarded long enough for me to rescue them. Calling plane! Below her, we can see that she's leaping over. Lots of brain pirates are just sort of rushing about with their arms open. On to the top of page 23, the caption says... The mighty Amazon alights on her robot plane, responding to the vibrations of her voice, to be confronted by a terrible dilemma. It's a great shot of the robot plane in space, and Wonder Woman has dumped everyone on one of the wings, and she's thinking, Merciful Minerva, they can't all fit in for the trip through space back to Earth. How can I leave anyone to the mercy of the brain pirate? So they're having to travel back through space. So that suggests that they haven't been in Dimension X. Mm, Interesting. And the caption for the next panel says, Just then, the Amazon Queen's signals finally reach Wonder Woman's bracelet Omnitelevisor. Did she have this in issue 100? She had this in 100, yeah. Yeah. It's a little Apple Watch, basically. (laughs) (laughs) And we see Diana's mum talking to her on the screen and she says, Diana, at last. And Wonder Woman says, Mother, be my one-twelfth human reducing ray at us. Hurry, I'll explain later. Even as the vengeful brain pirate's fleet opens fire. Yes, yeah, so obviously the, the brain pirates have scrambled because we can see no less than five of their vessels all firing with a sound effect. They're all lined up firing at Wonder Woman's robot plane. Seeing these five ships up in space, the way they are, they look very, very much like something out of a Flash Gordon serial from the 1930s, don't they? They absolutely do. Yeah, it's great. And probably appropriate, given that they're trying to evoke the Golden Age. I mean, absolutely, they, I mean yeah. they do look like something that would maybe have rocked up in one of those JSA stories when they're all sitting out in the space or something. Mm-hmm. The caption for the next panel says, The Queen's reducing ray takes effect. And as the zit sound effects fly past them, we can see that Wonder Woman and the Holiday Girls and Steve and Etta are starting to shrink down on the wing of the plane. Wonder Woman says, hurry into the plane as soon as you've been reduced. And the next panel, Etta says, woohoo, I thought I'd never be able to take off so much weight while I'm still eating so many sweets. Oh, oh. Reduced to but one twelfth her size, the Amazon might is still mighty enough to cause havoc to the villainous fleet. And Wonder Woman, brandishing her lasso from the wing of the Amazon plane, says, while the pilots are floundering in the sea of vibrations I'm whipping into being, we'll make our departure. Holla! Plane, back to Earth. And we can see that she's whirling the lasso, which is obviously setting off the vibrations that are causing all of the brain pilots' ships to crash into each other. Fantastic. We move to the top of page 24 and the caption says, After the space travellers reach Earth safely, Wonder Woman signals the Amazon scientists to reverse the reducing beam and, like peas popping out of a pod, row up plane has landed and the holiday girls and Steve and Etta are all popping back to normal and Etta's got a line saying, Woohoo! What a time! Oh, oh, she's still eating sweets. Oh my god. I mean, it must be like bottomless, or she must have some sort of deal with Woolworths for like, you know, Willy Wonka or something where she has a perpetual supply of sweeties. Mm. At the front of the panel, Steve and Wonder Woman fall to the ground together. And Wonder Woman says, My mistake. I should have waited until everyone had exited before having the group return to their normal size. And creepy old Steve says, How about a kiss? In a close-up panel with a very jaggedy flowing edge, like we had earlier on when Mm -hmm. she started to fall into the comic, Wonder Woman strikes the ground at the back of her head, saying, Oh, Steve, behave yourself. Ow, my head. Caption for the next panel says, The sharp blow makes the Amazon blink, and when her vision clears... We're back in the room. Wonder Woman is reading the comic that she was reading at the start, and she thinks, Shades of Pluto. I must have dreamed I was reliving this story of my past adventures. In the next panel, we see that the 
Dream Merchant still standing with his arms folded watching her, although he's put on what looks like a white lab coat at this yeah, point. Yeah, peculiar. And Wonder Woman is thinking, but was it a dream? Was I hypnotised? Or did Dream Merchant time transport me back to the past? When I had to fight my battle against the brain pirate all over again, with Doom the penalty for losing this time. Closing panel, Wonder Woman is leaving the Dream Merchant's Emporium. We see a little spinner rack, which clearly has a copy of Wonder Woman, and possibly something else I can't quite make out what that is. And as she walks off, she looks back over her shoulder, the Dream Merchant standing with his arms folded behind his impenetrable shades, and Wonder Woman is thinking, is the Dream Merchant the most powerful villain of all time? Able to force me to fight villains I had defeated in the past? I'll have to come back here and let my next visit tell the story. And the closing caption says, This is not the end, but the beginning. If you demand it for Wonder Woman to bring back the golden age of heroes and villains in one spectacular tale after another, how do you feel about it, fans? Well then, that's us. I must say, in that last panel, the issue of Wonder Woman that you see is actually issue 156. Oh my god, so this it is. This very issue. That's right. Wonder Woman. There's the blue and there's the red and there's the dark. That's uh-huh. amazing. That's a bit meta. Do you know who I think the Dream Merchant is? Who do you think Dream Merchant is? I think that's Robert Kaniger. Maybe it'll be. It would make um, sense. It sounded like him earlier on. And, you know, when we get to issue 158, listeners, you'll probably understand what might have prompted me to think that. Yes. I think. Yes. Well then. Lots of Wonder Woman action to come. Gosh. I really enjoyed that. That well, was a load of nonsense. It was great fun. Yeah, but you're right, it's a load of nonsense. Yes, it, it is. Makes, <laughs> it makes no sense. Right, first of all... Right, I get the sense you maybe didn't enjoy it just as much as I did. As a daft piece of nonsense, it was fun, right? But there's so many plot holes in this, it's unbelievable. Yeah, and you know, so many captions where we were like questioning the, the spelling and the wording. and Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it was really... Kind of, unless that was a deliberate attempt to evoke the Golden Age. Was the Golden Age always that shoddy? That's no, another question. I don't think so. Mm. But yeah, this is bizarre. Obviously, you know, it's been established in another Robert Kaniger written story, Showcase 4, that comics exist. Of course, that's right, uh, yes. That's Barry Allen's first uh, appearance uh-huh. as, the, as The Flash. Uh-huh. And of course, it actually opens up with him reading Jay Garrick's Adventures as The Flash. Yeah. So Kaniger is bringing that concept back of comics existing. And obviously mm-hmm. we've seen mm-hmm. subsequently that's been used in Flash 123, Flash 2 Worlds, they brought mm-hmm. back the JSA and everything else. Comics do exist, but as we talked about before, what happens when it's a character that already exists on Earth One? Are their Golden Age comics different? Because obviously, six identities and everything are yeah. the same. I mean, the, that final panel with the cover that's the same as the comic we just read suggests mm. that a kid could walk into the Dream Merchant shop, pick up that comic, and read it and find out that Wonder Woman is Diana Prince. Yes, for example, you would think. Yeah. Uh, also, Wonder Woman talks about her adventure, reliving her adventure with the brain pirate. But unless they're trying to say that the Wonder Woman who is in issue 156, which we've just read, is the same Wonder Woman who had all the adventures in the Golden Age. But we know mm. that's not the case because of, as we've said, the different air colour on her mother, so yeah. separating them. This is probably a good time to mention that the brain pirate had appeared previously. Yeah. There's a story in issue 82 of Sensation Comics, which was the anthology title that Wonder Woman appeared in, published in August 1948 with a cover date of October 1948, and the Brain Pirate appeared in a story entitled Brain Pirate from the Inner Moon World. Yes, uh, written by William Moulton Marston and Harry G. Peters, the artist on it, and it's edited by Robert Kaniger, so... It's possible then that Kaniger has remembered this character and thought he could use him again, something like that, yeah. Yeah, there's a professor lecturing at Holiday College, and his name's Professor Astronomo, and he's telling everyone in his class, which basically is the Holiday Girls and Etta, that the moon is hollow, and inside it, 
there's a planet and a sun of its own, mm-hmm. and also there's a highly developed civilization inside. And as he's explaining this at his lecture, in through the window appears what looks just like one of the brain pirates. These sort of pudgy, suntan-like, uh, transparent ghost mm-hmm. people. And he takes over his body. It's slightly different from how it is in Wonder Room 156. Uh-huh. And he collapses. Etta Candy telepathically contacts Wonder Woman and Diana springs into action and races over there to discover that the holiday girls have vanished. She confronts the professor and he's speaking in a strange, almost Germanic accent uh-huh. and she realises that his body has been taken over and she starts to shake him, which frees the brain pirate from his body who then clunks Wonder Woman on the head with his gun. Uh, Steve Trevor jumps into action and fires at the brain pirate but the bullets just pass right through him. But he can zap Steve with his amazing brain pirate gun. He then summons the spaceship, which looks very similar to the spaceship from Wonder Woman 156, except it's red. Uh And they're all taken to the inner moon. The brain pirates weld Wonder Woman's bracelets together, which again negates her powers. She is taken before the king, and he's called King Lunar. He explains that the women of his world wanted peace, while the men wanted to invade Earth. And he's used a device to make the women into mindless servants and continue his invasion plan. Wonder Woman manages to overcome one of the Moon Men and convinces him to join her. And together they free all the women, including the Holiday Girls, and they thwart the invasion. Very interestingly, there's no mention of Dimension X. No, you're right. There's no mention of Dimension X. Maybe the Brain Pirate relocated. No mention of a brain planet. It's the inside of the moon. It's very different. It's it's almost like Kandegar misremembered this story when he was writing 156. So what are your thoughts on that one? I quite enjoyed it. I actually read it, The Brain Pirate of Northern World, after I'd read this one. So it was kind of weird being used to him and then reading this other story where things are, you know, different. It still looks the same, obviously. There's no disembodied heads or anything. But um, that was quite interesting. Yeah. Wonder Woman gets very meta at this point, doesn't it? Yes. When they listed off all the comics that were valuable, one of the comics they mentioned was Justice League of America. That's right. So how can that possibly exist as a comic? Unless yes. it's like uh, a Marvel Universe equivalent where there's comics being published about mm. the heroes of Earth 1 mm. currently. Yeah, but because it probably they wouldn't be Golden Age ones because yeah. those characters are fairly yeah. new. And they it exist, probably yeah. should have been just the Society or All Star Comics or something. That it should have been, should have been, shouldn't it? But it's that's interesting. It's very everything about this is very kind of haphazard and a bit sloppy. Yes, it's, I would agree with that. I think it's a case of Robert Kanegar was writer and editor of Wonder Woman for a very long time. We'll go into this a lot more in future episodes and we'll talk about it briefly just now. Mm-hmm. He was also doing loads of books at the time. So he's maybe a bit rushed with this. So maybe yes. he's maybe a draft away from, you know, yes. or maybe not editing it the way he would edit someone else's yeah. work. Yeah, um, yeah. Aye, that's, that's an point. I mean, you almost get mm-hmm. the idea that they've had the idea they're going to try this and they've done it mm-hmm. very, very quickly. And Yeah. But that's an excellent point. I mean, writer-editors... Mm-hmm. We've mentioned before, but Roy Thomas is probably the, yeah, the biggest sort of writer-editor. Yeah. When we get to oh. All-Star Squadron, he has pretty much full control over a lot of what's going on there. And yeah. I think on one level it's a good thing, because if the editor really cares about what's going on, mm-hmm. then he's going to put the effort in. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it means if a writer is maybe a bit undisciplined... Yeah. Or, is, or on a tight deadline. Yeah, he's not going to have someone standing over and making sure stuff's done to a standard or mm-hmm. properly. Which, or, you know, or tweaking bits that don't work exactly. for them. So, yeah. yeah. But no, I, I thought that was cracking. I was a bit nervous about what I was doing it because I thought, oh God, this is going to be a nightmare. Um, this is going to be torture. But it was actually quite straightforward and it was a lot of fun. Mm. It, it, it popped along and it's light years away from some of the, the slightly more sophisticated stories we've done mm-hmm. recently. Like I've been raving about the artwork that Murphy Anderson's been giving us and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. It's light years away from that. And it's very, very quite refreshing to 
to read something that was so different from really pretty much everything that we've done so far. It was even um, it felt very different to the the last one, the Roman story we did you know, when we did issue hundred. Mm-hmm. So um, you told me there's some reader reaction to this, which you you seem a bit trepidatious yeah. about this one. So yes, there's commentary and to talk about this story in issue hundred fifty eight. Of course, because Wonder Woman was eight months a year at this point, mm-hmm. so there's a bit of a gap. Uh, first of all, it's the letters column, Wonder Woman's Clubhouse. Before this period, the letters were ostensibly answered by Wonder Woman herself, but here it changes to Robert Kanagar himself answering the reader mail, and okay. it kicks off with a little uh, announcement. Right, so I'll, um, I'll read that little introduction announcement. Fans, Robert J. Allen of Attica, New York, has sent me an extraordinary letter. It is in two parts. The first pans me flatter than a pizza. I don't have the space or time to refute it, although I have a bag of eye-openers to present at some future date. Mr. Allen's second letter asks for a revamping of Wonder Woman. I've already started putting into operation months ago many of the suggestions he has made, such as taking the calculated risk of putting WW in an adventure deliberately written and drawn in the exact style of the Golden Age, Golden Age in inverted commas, of comics, in the August issue of Wonder Woman number 156, which is the one we've just done, obviously. It is a risk, because any golden age is a time which is already well in the past. I may be clobbered for it, but I had to take the chance. I'll let you all know the results. Wonder Woman has been active for about 20 years. She arouses violent emotional responses, ranging from love to hate. She's never ignored. The Amazon gal must have something, but to Mr. Allen's letter, it would be impossible to publish all of it without it taking at least three successive issues. So I will print what is most pertinent to the subject at hand, Wonder Woman, and leave out all the slings and arrows. Here it is. Dear Mr. Kaniger, this is being written about four days after the other letter, but I'm including it all to let you know my whole feeling. Through my subscription, I received the August Wonder Woman number 156, and it was the greatest issue you've ever edited. <laughs> right. I'm glad you've finally seen the light. With the continually falling circulation of Wonder Woman's childish adventures, this issue is everything you claimed it to be. Although how many readers did you lose before you dared present this? I'd say that the circulation of Wonder Woman is at rock bottom. But if you'll handle it right, it'll soon make a rise, maybe to a million. Although in the golden age it hit as high as two and a half million some issues. Now with the 250,000 copies you probably had printed, I think it will sell 99% of these some places will run out. A small editor's note here from Ray Robert says... I'm fascinated by these figures. I've never been aware of them. I should have asked for a raise when Wonder Woman was soaring so high. Guess it's too late now for now to continue. Back into the letter. This issue was one of the best Wonder Woman issues in years. I was waiting for my subscription to terminate with the January 1966 issue. Whether I resubscribe will depend on if you keep feeding us the Golden Age stories or not. These new Wonder Woman stories were aimed at children. And children, most of them under seven can't follow a comic book regularly like a teenager who knows when it goes on sale remembers it and looks for it children's minds aren't vast enough to follow it now to get to the issue i compared it with the old wonder woman comics i have of the 40s early 50s i have three the art was exactly the same congratulations to your penciler and inker andrew esposito it was all you said it would be the uniqueness of the story was that you utilized some of wonder woman's forgotten powers I'd like the new Wonder Woman to be the old again. Same hair, adventures, shoes. (laughs) Only one romance, and that is with Colonel Steve Trevor. I'd like to see Mare Boy, Mare Man, Bird Boy, Bird Man eliminated from the stories. I'd like to see two 12-page Wonder Woman stories per issue. During the 40s we had three 12 pages, but now with smaller comics we can have two. 
I'd like to see the cover slogan, title logo, written out as big as it was in the 40s. It was so big then you could see it a mile away and you'd run to the stands to get it. And Robert Kaniger says here, it's already done. Watch for the new Wonder Woman title with the latest issue, November 158, the very issue this letter's printed in. Although this story wasn't the top of the crop, that is by having the candy girls of the Holiday Kids, Etta Candy and the Holiday Girls, whatever they are, acting like foolish children, the art was the best. I'd like to see you bring back the original power of the Golden Lasso, that of surrounding a person and making him obey the holder's commands. Also, the bracelets forged together should be used more. What I couldn't figure out was when they stated that Wonder Woman loses all her powers when they are forged together, how come she could still fly, kick ships with her feet, etc. I'd appreciate all the old powers explained, since they haven't been used in years. And my collection only goes back to 1960. I'd eliminate Wonder Tot and Wonder Girl permanently. And then we have a response from Robert Kaniger saying, Fans, I've changed my mind. Mr Allen's letter has so mesmerised me that I'm going to introduce another first. A fan letter first. There is so much still to come, which is a great controversy, that I'm going to continue his letter in the next issue. Meanwhile, in all fairness to the other side, a few voices. The other letters that issue are mostly just general letters talking about Wonder Woman fan clubs and stuff like that. Nothing about the story. Nothing, right, nothing about right. the story. So, so this is the rest of the letter, this time from issue 159. Yes. Uh, and Robert Kaniger kicks off again. Dear fans, Robert Allen's letter was so provocative and seemed to represent an unofficial position of fandom on Wonder Woman that let him have his say in her last issue, Wonder Woman 158. And since it was so long and contained so many bristling points, I decided to let a fan have his two-parter, just as well as a fiction writer. So here's the second part of his letter. I like the Wonder Woman story in the August issue. I want to see this in every issue of Wonder Woman. I can guarantee that when this issue goes on sale, it'll be an instant sellout because I'm going to buy a bunch of duplicates. <laughs> Lots of others who follow the DC mags hate Wonder Woman because she's so childish. I think this issue will hook on quite a few more readers. To close, here are my suggestions. Number one, before the end of the year, have a Wonder Woman annual either by 80 Page Giant or separate and make all her stories pre-1950. Number two, keep the Golden Age art and stories and make the covers Golden Age. Number three, get rid of Merman, Boy, Birdman, Boy, Wonder Girl, etc. Just bring back the original Wonder Woman without all these stupid things. Number four, make the stories more mature and make Steve Trevor Wonder Woman's only man and make her love him, but still not marry him. <laughs> keep up suspense. Number five, rearrange the letter column. Make it new without acting like such a foolish baby. That way it'll attract all. Number six, give the much needed and long overdue origin of Wonder Woman as it was originally. Ah. Rewrite it in its original fashion with all things of the golden age included. It'll start a revolution. Number seven, utilise all of Wonder Woman's original powers, weapons, etc. Bring it back entirely. Make her act and talk like she did. Keep up hola. Number eight, tell the JLA editor to handle her this way too in this fashion. Number nine, have two 12-page stories per issue and a novel occasionally. I wish the listeners could see my expression as you're reading this one, Peter, <laughs> I really do. Oh, don't worry, there's only a couple of points left. Right, okay. Here we go. Number ten, bring back everything of the Golden Age and Wonder Woman and see why it was so popular. Bring back the old Wonder Woman logo at the start of every issue. Stronger than Hercules, wiser than Mr. Kaniger, etc. <laughs> Ouch, I mean hola. And finally, number 11. Most of all, follow the original pattern. Have original villains and Wonder Woman will really relive again. Keep her Golden Age costume too. Thank you, Robert J. Allen, Attica, New York. 
Blimey. Is there a response to read? Oh, there is a point-by-point point response okay. from Robert Kanegar. Gosh, right, so um, I'll read the, the response from Mr. Kanegar now. Dear Robert, meaning Robert Allen, of course, you certainly swing a sawtoothed axe. But as I said, I will print any letters, no matter how critical, that offer constructive criticism. I will try to answer your points one by one. One. A Wonder Woman annual depends on reader action, as do all of DC's annuals. I can only follow your lead. Sergeant Rock's war annuals have been sensations. Hence, someone is third, which is something different. Instead of stories that have whipped up great reader response, this third annual will be about outstanding characters. Sergeant Rock's battle stars. Count them. Sergeant Rock of Easy Company himself, Ace Johnny Cloud, Tankman Jeb Stewart, Gun on Sarge. Yes, I wish we could do some Gun on Sarge stories. <laughs> a battle bonus tale and bringing back that French TNT Tootsie, Mademoiselle Marie. It should be a blockbuster of an issue. If there's a demand for a WW annual, a WW annual there will be. I would, you know what? No, all of a sudden I wish there was a, a story where like, Gun on Sarge get transported to Parallel Universe and meet parallel universe version of Johnny Cloud and Captain Storm and blah 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 yeah, only. maybe that's how New Frontier works anyway point two as I wrote Jerry Prichet of the Comic Reader the January issue of Wonder Woman number 159 will really put my head on the chopping block by making cover story art all 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 golden age the fates preserve me I'm turning the clock back to get ahead right we're, I'm not going to read out point three because we're going to address what he mentions in, in point three when we do the story from Wonder Woman 158 in a few episodes time point four Hurling Wonder Woman back to Golden Age will make Steve Trevor her one and only love, with surprises. Point five. I have to accept full blame for how you feel about the letter column. It was not written by me, and it has never been written by me. But it is now. Oh, interesting. Okay. Maybe it was Wonder Woman. Point number six. Wonder Woman number 159 January contains exactly what you request. The true secret origin of Wonder Woman exactly as it was written and drawn in the Golden Age. A bombshell which hasn't exploded since its first blast during the Golden Age about 20 years ago. The cover will knock your eye out. If it doesn't, then I'll be in front of a firing squad. I look forward to doing 159 because I've got an awful lot to say about that cover. <laughs> Point seven. The exact meaning and use of Wonder Woman's Golden Age weapons are fully explained and used. Okay. Point eight. I'll tell Mr. Julius Schwartz of the JLA to follow suit, please. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> the two 12 pages and the occasional novel will be attempted, but it really depends on the excitement of the story. So let's not be too rigid, but we'll try. Number nine, as I've already answered point nine and point eight, you'll have to be patient with me on this. I'm more interested in lightning bolts of ideas than turtle-like statistics. Sorry. Point ten, the original Wonder Woman slogan is being brought back without wiser than Mr. Kaniger, which I think is a funnier remark than many I've gritted my teeth over in proscripts. Want to be a writer, Mr. Allen? <laughs> point eleven, I don't know if it's really possible to go back in time in real life and relive the Golden Age, but I certainly am going to try. I'm putting all my chips down on the line with the first complete Golden Age Wonder Woman, starting with Wonder Woman number 159, cover date January. Wish me luck. I'm going to try and find out if I can sail around the world without falling off. RK. I mean, I empathise. I'm an, I'm a, I can be an awful one for not being able to go forward because of the amount of time I spent looking back. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. It is very, very, very much how internet fandom is now. <laughs> yeah. The vibe that I'm getting from what Robert Allen is saying in his letter is that the, the readership were basically tired of stuff like Wonder Tot and Wonder Woman, which are obviously gimmicks that were dreamt up mm-hmm. because sales weren't working and they were trying to do something to generate any kind of interest. But that doesn't really parallel with the reality of it. Exactly. Because yeah. Wonder Woman sales weren't tanking. They were, yeah. they were staying pretty steady. Uh, they weren't going anywhere, but all sales of comics had, had yeah, I mean, lowered. And yeah. no one had said Aye. the Golden Age sales that they had. 
Exactly. Because there was no other entertainment media there. It's, I mean, it's a thing, yeah, the thing that gets talked about a lot because people talk about how kids don't read comics nowadays. And it's worth remembering, is exactly as you say, when in the heydays of, say, British comics, like the Beano mm-hmm. and the Hotspur and the Eagle and mm-hmm. TV21, when they were selling, you know, in some cases, over a million copies a week, mm-hmm. there wasn't as much for kids to do. They didn't have the internet to distract them. Wasn't as much television Not before. True. They didn't have dedicated channels and all that sort mm-hmm. of stuff. I see some people I know occasionally on the social medias lamenting the fact that British comics aren't what they were. But the other fact to remember is there's not as many kids around as there used to be to buy them in the first place. So there's all that to consider too. I mean, it's always the case from what you're saying that Wonder Woman's sales did hold level. But maybe Kaniger was just doing this stuff for himself. Because he'd been Could on it be. for so long and he was just trying to liven it up for himself. Could be. I mean, a lot of what Mr. Allen here is saying, it reminds me of Doctor Who fandom being very critical of what John Nathan Turner and Andrew Cartmel were doing in the late 80s. When, yeah. they're, mm-hmm. when you're getting stories like The Happiness Patrol and Delta and the Bannermen, mm-hmm. alongside stuff like Remembrance of the Daleks, but it was causing some Doctor Who fans to go into absolute spasms because they wanted it to go back to that their perceived golden age of yeah, the no. mid seventies with Tom Baker and Philip Hinchcliffe and Robert Holmes. Yeah, it's one of these things. That if you have a certain level of quality and storytelling that works, mm-hmm. you could always stick to it. But the trouble is that it does get stagnant and people drift away. Which so you have to keep refreshing mm-hmm. and trying new things. And I think that's what what Carnegie must have done. But it's mm-hmm. always with the, a lot of the audience that wasn't popular. Yeah, but in this story as well, he, he says it's supposed to be a turn of the golden age, but he doesn't really get it quite right. The feeling of it's wrong. I mean, like Etta Candy in the Golden Age. The whole idea is that. Yeah, she does like to eat candies and eat sweeties, but that has never been a weakness of sure. hers, and no one's taken the mickey out of her for it, whereas one of the holiday girls has mm. a comment about her calories and stuff. Yeah, and, and it, seemed one, like, it seemed like every panel there, she was gulping away and... Yeah, and but she that. was a really confident, capable character in the Golden Age, right. and a good foil slash sidekick for Wonder Woman, <laughs> but in this, she's kind of... <sighs> She's, she's, barely, she's a joke. She, yeah, yeah, well, she yeah. is though. She's barely, she's barely even a full, full character. I mean, mm-hmm. she's the comedy relief that's sitting in sweeties during yeah. the points of high drama. Yeah, and as you can probably tell, listeners irritating the hell out of me in the process. I mean, Perez, George Perez used her in his eighties mm-hmm. revamp, didn't he? Yeah, uh-huh. and she was completely different. But oh, yeah, totally wasn't different. she? You yeah. know, she was a real proper mm-hmm. adult. And she's appeared in the, obviously the movie, and she also appeared in the One Room TV series as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, or was it TV movie? Can't remember. But certainly in the seventies, she appeared then. I really enjoyed the story that we've just done. I mean, I thought it was much more entertaining than I, I dreaded us doing this one, but I thought that was great. What did you think? Yeah, again, it was. Uh, I'm interested, I'm intrigued by the dream merchant. It's almost like something like Mr. Ben. Remember the TV series Mr. Ben? Yes, yeah. the shopkeeper. Yes, this, for those of you who don't know, it was an animated cartoon yeah, from the 70s or the 60s. Uh, well, from our childhood anyway. And it's all about a man who'd gone to a fancy dress shop, chose an outfit, tried it on in the changing room, and got whisked away, had an adventure came back with a souvenir and uh, never ever bought anything in the shop, which always annoyed me. But yeah, it's almost like that. It's like this fantasy that's sort of had as you go into this shop with a mysterious shopkeeper, because there Mm, was a mysterious shopkeeper in that. Yeah, people have compared Quantum Leap to being a live action version of Mr. Ben, because (laughs) Mr. Ben always arrived and people always always seemed to be expecting him and knew who he was and he Mm. fitted in and he he would Mm -hmm. have an adventure and do something useful and then leave again. The dream merchant. I mean, he was—he's very enigmatic. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it was a—if it was just Canigo sort of putting himself into it, being a bit meta in a way that the Wonder Woman stories we're about to cover will get even more meta. I feel it's a, a bit of a wasted opportunity. He would have been a great horror host for the DC's nineteen seventies horror Aye. comics. Yeah, come with me. I'm the dream merchant. Open, open a comic, any comic, or you know, open a book, and you know that sort of thing. That would be incredible. I mean, his his impenetrable shades and his, his smart turnout. He reminded mm-hmm. me of. Again, I'm going to make another reference to the James Robinson Starman series. He mm-hmm. reminded me of the shade as he yep. was sort of featured in there, and it's um, 
And there's also there's an issue of the Flash in the dim and distant future that we're going to do, which vaguely you know ties into mm-hmm. dreams and dreams, stuff like yeah. that, which mm-hmm. we're looking back on with many years of reading comics since, and maybe thinking, oh, that could be a could that be a link? A I don't know. To, yeah, yeah. no, yeah, the, you're right. If that's the only appearance of the Dream Merchant, I'm disappointed. That's a shame. Yeah. Because that's just that screams potential. It's a, that's, I'm telling you, horror host, horror host, and waiting. Or even the sort Dream of Merchant's Emporium. Or even sort of like you know, twisting, not quite horror, but maybe slightly creepy, twisting the tail. Yeah, that's sort of stories and yeah, house of mystery sort of style. So there we are. So yeah, when Pete and I write our own DC comic <laughs> that's going to feature stuff like the you know the Jack Kirby Sandman teaming up with Firestorm to fight the Riddler and all that sort of thing, mm. each story will be introduced by the Dream Merchant, as it should be. Absolutely, fantastic. Well, that's what we thought about this issue. What did you think? Please, please let us know what you thought. We want an 11-point response. Uh, yes. T- tearing us to shreds <laughs> of, of how this podcast is going and how it should be improved. And we will, will respond to it. Each of those point by points. points. Yes. Amazing. Uh, you can email us at theearth2podcast at gmail.com or on Facebook at The Earth 2 Podcast where we're putting up some bonus material. Uh, you'll be able to see some of the panels from this very, very issue. Also, we're on Twitter at podcast underscore earth2 and instagram we're still at the earth2 podcast fantastic no again i want to reiterate i really enjoyed that story it was fun i was kind of dreading us doing this wonder room and stuff it's a fascinating piece of history and stay tuned folks because there will be more yep. because if you thought this was weird you ain't seen <laughs> nothing yet it's worth saying you know this podcast as well as exploring the multiverse and all the parallel worlds it's about the legacy of the golden age characters mm. and so far that has been the revival of characters like the various different starmen the other crimson avenger but the return of the justice society and all that sort of stuff but mm-hmm. this is an editor and a comic that is making an effort to revisit the golden age mm-hmm. in a way that's very different to whatever that we've been doing so far and i cannot wait to keep going Yes, and I'd just like to reiterate as well, it has got the best title of any of the stories we've done so far. <laughs> it's going to be hard to top this. Yeah. On I'm that note, yes. Uh, I've been Peter. And I've been David. And you've been listening to The Earth 2 Podcast. Transmatter Cube activated. Return coordinates set for Earth Prime. Merciful Minerva, in their mindless state, Stephen and Hawley girls cannot swim. They will drown like mechanical dolls. I'm sounding more and more like Chekhov from Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> the more and more we go on. Captain. <laughs>